Yeah, poor old David had a root canal and he sent a special message. He said, uh, stop eating sugar and brush your teeth. So, no, that's a joke. Uh, great to be here. We have a wonderful passage. Are you enjoying the depression that is Ecclesiastes? A little bit? A little bit? It's good. It's good, isn't it? Uh, chapter three is no different. It's a, it's a challenging passage because it's going to explain what life is like if God didn't exist. And that's really important. We have to understand that when we read Ecclesiastes, this phrase, under the sun, under the sun, under the sun, repeated over and over again. Uh, if you're fresh, if you're brand new this weekend, you haven't been part of the previous messages, you, you need to understand that this philosopher, this great teacher is waxing lyrically. He's talking around this idea, what, what is the truth if God does not exist? And he's dealing with that. And I love that this is in the Bible because it's honest. It's honest. It's raw. All right. Have you got an honest friend? You know those ones? Ones who say, dude, terrible haircut. Terrible. Who, who's got an honest friend? Yeah. I'm in big trouble because in the eight o'clock I was talking about how my mum's only four foot 11, but she packs a punch. She's, she's quite honest. She comes to the four o'clock, so I, I will be back getting punched because she usually watches the eight o'clock online, so I'm in deep trouble. Uh, but honesty is good sometimes, right? I've been away from Australia for eight years. I came back, and Australia now has a proliferation of mullet haircuts. No honest friends, all right? Uh, we, need, we need more honesty in this society. All right, it's good. Um, but we're going to read this passage, and this passage is a tricky one because the whole chapter, he's talking about life under the sun, which means he's talking about if God didn't exist, let's look at what life is like. And in this passage, there's going to be some truths and some half-truths, Okay. And we've got to sort of unpick that and find out why God has put this in the scripture for us to understand. When I start reading the scripture, this is a pretty famous passage. Who, who remembers the bird's song from the 60s or 70s? I can't remember. I wasn't born. Uh, to every season. That one? Yeah. Now that song is rubbish. I'll tell you why. Uh, because they sort of made it sound like this beautiful uh, rhythmic, there's a time for everything and it all works out. That is not the tone of this passage. This passage is like doom and gloom, okay? Uh, so we've got to get that, that lovely tune out of our head and we're going to face the truth. Uh, but good news, there is good news toward the end. So let me pray for you uh, that you can hang in there and that God will show you something wonderful this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your living word and we don't want to drift through life. We want to find the life that is truly life. We don't want to fall for lies and waste time. We want to uh, discover the truth, Lord. Lord, you say that it's like dark and light. It's that stark. It's like death and life. We don't want to miss out on you this morning. So we pray that as we try and understand this passage, your Holy Spirit will Give us understanding. You'll speak to us, Lord Jesus. We pray that in your precious name. Amen. All right, let's dig in. We're going to read the whole, the whole uh, chapter, and then we'll rock and roll. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot, a time to kill, and a time to heal, to tear down, and to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them, 
a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to speak and a time to be silent, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He's made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. I know that there's nothing better for people than to be happy and do good while they live, that each of them may eat, drink, and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Whatever has already been and whatever will be has been before. So we've gotten right through this list of all the things of life and, and God's doing stuff, but no one can understand him and we don't know what he's doing and we're never gonna work it out. And guess what? Everything that's been is gonna come again and your life is meaningless and, and it's all gonna go around on this eternal roundabout and not mean anything. Thus endeth the lesson, right? <laughs> that's what he's saying. And then as if that's not bad enough, it gets worse. And he says, I saw this under the sun as well, in the place of judgment. So, you know, maybe God's going to do something. Maybe a bit of judgment's kind of come in. But if God doesn't exist, remember, under the sun, guess what? Wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. I said to myself, God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked, and there will be a time for every activity and a time to judge every deed. And so it sounds like he's... These are half-truths. He's sort of saying, you know, maybe there's these spiritual ideas that'll bring some good. But then he gets to this conclusion. Look at this. I also said to myself, as for humans, God tests them so that they may see that they're just like the animals. Oh, wow. Surely the fate of human beings is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Humans have no advantage over animals. Everything is meaningless. Who knows if the human spirit rises upward and if the spirit of the animal goes down? Vice versa, who knows? And last of all, so I saw that there is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work because that's their lot. For who can bring them to see what will happen after them? Bum, bum, bum. It's very depressing. He goes through this whole thing and just says, mate, you're just like the animals. You're going to die. No one's going to remember. Who knows? Are you going north, south, east or west? No one can fathom. Your guess is as good as mine. Life is meaningless. Isn't it depressing? All right. What can we get from this chunky passage? Under the sun, it all adds up to nothing. So he's given a very, it's very, very well-crafted passage here. He gives 14 positive things, a time, right? 14 really positive things. But then he just backs them up with 14 negative things. So he basically says the mathematics of life is this, 14 minus 14 equals zero, zero. That's what life is under the sun, zero. You can put all the power of positive thinking into your day and something's gonna come and nullify it. And that's life. 
and we're all just like animals in the end and we all die and there's no meaning to any of it. You can't escape it, you can't work it out, you can't bust off the cycle, everyone's going to forget you, it's been happening from eons past and it's going to happen from eons to come. Life is meaningless, very depressing. It adds up to nothing. One of my favourite uh, actors, Jim Carrey, Dumb and Dumber, possibly the high point of all cinema, in my opinion. Uh, anyway, he, he gave this brilliant quote the other day, because Jim Carrey has experienced what most people on earth think is the ultimate life. He, he's acted in all these films, he's made millions of dollars, he's got his own art studio where he fluffs around and he does whatever he wants and, and people respect him and he gets invited to all the parties and, and you know, he, he's living this amazing life. And he said this, and I love this quote, he said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they've ever dreamed so they can see that it's not the answer. Genius. I love that quote. We've got to pray for Jim. He's on a journey. He's tried out Buddhism. He's tried out Eastern mysticism. He's even sort of semi-tried Jesus, but hasn't worked him out yet. So he, he's on a journey because he's realized you can gain everything under the sun and it adds up to nothing. It's not the answer. But many of us are still stuck on that treadmill, aren't we? We really, really think that if we had the nice house, the nice car, the experiences, the money, the wealth, the power, the sex, all the things, that we would be satisfied. But under the sun, life adds up to nothing. This beautiful, honest, right hook from Scripture says, try all you want, try all the things, it adds up to nothing. In fact, if God's not real and His kingdom's not real, you're just like an animal. Who knows whether you're up, down, or whether they're going up or down. No one can work it out, he says. It's a very intense passage of scripture. Blaise Pastel, a famous philosopher, said, there is a God-shaped vacuum inside the human heart. Uh, that idea has been shared you know, millions and millions of times because it's so true. You can try everything under the sun, and it just won't satisfy, it won't fill the void. There's a gap in us that all the things on earth cannot fill, all right? Augustine said the similar thing. He said, you have made us, O Lord, for yourself, and our heart will find no rest until it rests in you. There's a deep truth we've got to grab hold of. And why do we have to keep revisiting this? It's because we're, we're so foolish, as human beings, we say we believe that God is the deliverer of all truth, and yet we so quickly forget and we chase after things, don't we? We chase after this world, hoping it'll satisfy our soul. If I can just get that marble bench top or that new sage gritty paint job in my kitchen, it'll all be different. If I can just get the girl, if she'd just like me, my life will be complete. If I can just get married, if I can just get the house, the car, the peanut galata, whatever it is, I'll be satisfied. And the scripture says, I'm sorry, but life hasn't changed. And those things, they don't satisfy. Under the sun, Christians can live an unsatisfactory half-truth. This passage is really complicated because 
In it, it's, it's, a, it's genius if you pull it apart. He says all the truth he talks about in this passage is under the sun, as if God is not existent and it's meaningless, but he keeps on mentioning God. What's he talking about? He's talking about spiritual ideas that are like hard truths. God in reality has put eternity into our hearts, so human beings seek a spiritual experience, right? And we as Christians can engage, even as Christians who have found Jesus, we can treat Jesus like another one of those spiritual experiences and not really follow him, not really know him, right? And we can live under these half-truths and still have a deep dissatisfaction in our soul. Have you met boring Christians? Yeah, there's a bunch here, right? Bored, boring, and bitter. They've found Jesus Christ, but they're bored, boring, and bitter. Why? Because they've treated Jesus a bit like an addition to their life. They've treated Jesus a bit like a spiritual truth. And and when you treat Jesus like that, it's the same as everyone in our world who's trying to live spiritually right now, and they just give it a different name. You know, they're going to get up in the morning, they're going to practice some mindfulness, they're going to do their yoga on their yoga mat in their private gym, uh, and they're going to have a spiritual experience. And they're going to hope that that will satisfy. And this passage politely says to them, I know that Thor's good looking, and I know he's got a nice app, and even if you eat like a vegan, do your yoga, practice your mindfulness, you're going to die, and it's meaningless. Isn't it fun this morning? Aren't we having a great time? I know why Twigger's at home. (laughs) Anyway, this is such a good passage and I'm enjoying it because it's true. It's true. It's telling you that there is a way to have life. Jesus is going to come along in a few minutes. We're going to read a verse he's going to say to this woman. He says, if you drink that water, you're going to get thirsty again. And you're going to have to have it again and again and again because it doesn't satisfy. But I've got some water. I've got some that will well up in you. It'll be overflowing. It will satisfy your soul. You you can get off this meaningless merry-go-round and you can discover the life that is truly life if only you would come to me. I don't know about you, but I want that life, right? This is a great church. This is a great church. I grew up just over the hill, over at Eaton's Hill. Uh, I've known Nathan. We met back in 1997 at UQ, at Evangelical Students, been good friends for many years. This is a fantastic church. But you know, it's got bored and boring and bitter Christians in it. We've got another level to go to. Did you know that? Jesus... Are you satisfied in Christ? Like when the first note drops, do you just want to worship him because you've found him? Are you Buddy the Elf? Jesus, I know him, right? Remember, that's probably the best thing I've ever seen in cinema. It's like, that's, that's how we should feel about Jesus. But many of us have added Jesus to our life. We're we're still over here building our life on a foundation of sand. We're hoping that houses, cars, holidays, experiences, 
marriage, sex, power, popularity, uh, esteem, and we're hoping that those things will satisfy our soul. And man, we're even, we're even cool to add in a bit of Jesus as well. Do some prayer. I read that people who pray are happier. Okay, I'll pray, right? We can, we can add Jesus in. I'll do my Sunday. I'll be a good boy. I'll, I'll try and be a decent person so I can look myself in the mirror and say, yeah, you're doing all right. Guess what? You're going to die. And it's all going to add up to nothing. Life is real. It's real. Isn't life surreal sometimes? Uh, those of us with the gray hair or no hair, like me, hallelujah, way better way of life. Shave, fantastic. Uh, but those of us who have lived for a while, we know there's these surreal experiences in life, isn't there? Where you're, it's like you're doing life, but you're sort of outside of it, watching it happen. Like, is this, like, life is pretty full on. But guess what? It's real. It's real. And when Jesus offers you a life that is truly life, that is real too. And if you're not experiencing that life, there's a challenge for you here today. I pray that you will bust out of your shallow faith, bust out of your unsatisfying relationship with God today, and you will try something new. By the way, this sermon is challenging for us in Australia because we are fat and happy and affluent in this country. We can be fooled by Satan for a lot longer than other people because even though this passage is telling you that all of the things you're going to try to make life meaningful are going to add up to zero, you can be fooled for a long time in Australia because it's such a nice place. I've lived in LA for the last eight years. LA, one of the best things about LA was my kids seeing real life. Like even the roads are clean in Australia. Like we actually get people to clean the roads, right? In LA, it's way more extreme. Like you'll be driving through one little suburb in LA and every house will be worth $15 million. And you'll only drive for another two minutes and you'll be in a gangland area where there's people on fentanyl lying all over the streets and abject poverty uh, and violence and despair. Uh, LA is intense. Uh, just, just so you know, like in, in, in LA, there's three counties. There's uh, San Bernardino County, Orange County, and LA County. There's about 20 million plus people just in that valley of those three counties. That's so like the whole of Australia in one spot. And LA City is only about as big as our CBD. And in LA City, during COVID, there was 42,000 homeless people living on the street. Can you imagine just in the streets of our CBD, 42,000 homeless people? Uh, I took my wife, it was our anniversary, and I thought I'd do the right thing. I'll take her to a French restaurant. We like food. Anyone like food? I like food. I spend most of my disposable income on food. And uh, we went to this French restaurant down in LA. We hadn't been down in LA for a while because it was COVID, it was shut down, it was all that nonsense. Anyway, so we, we head down to this nice restaurant, and, our, and it was literally like I'd entered a war zone. This dude out the front of the restaurant He's got this massive AR-15. Now that's a big assault rifle, right? Shocking to the Australian, not the American. 
everyone's got them. They're very cheap. My kids have shot AR-15s. It's stupid, but I know. But, you know, everyone's got one. And, and he's literally like, there was, we just tried to walk into the restaurant. He ushers us in. Some homeless people started coming up on drugs. Gun in their face. He starts yelling and swearing at them. And I was like, what is happening? I'm supposed to be just taking my wife for a restaurant to celebrate our marriage. Uh, and we're about to experience a murder or something, right? Uh, this, this LA microcosm was so good because it made this way, re- way more real, right? When you see real life, the way most people on earth are living it, most people, Australia is a bizarre microcosm down the far end of the earth where we've got our welfare worked out pretty well, we're all pretty rich. Every time we struggle economically, we just dig another hole, sell it to China, and we do all right. And because we're all right, we can be fooled into thinking that life is going well. We can be fooled into thinking that. I hope this scripture says to you this morning, you're just gonna die, mate. And your whole life's going to add up to nothing. There is another way, but you've got to find it. And if you don't, if you're not deeply satisfied in your soul, deeply satisfied in Jesus, you haven't found it. You haven't found it. Last point. Now, I don't really like it when pastors try to be 90s hip hop stars and make their points rhyme, but I had to this time. Forgive me. Forgive me, because it's the passage, I had to use the word, this is my last point, under the sun can be overcome. Do you like that? I don't, you might, but it's important, under the sun can be overcome. How? Look at this passage from Jesus, John chapter 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I love Jesus, he's honest. He's honest, he's not gonna fluff around. In this life, you're gonna have trouble, he says. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Jesus offers us a honest, radical solution to our existence problem. He says, if you do life without him, all of your efforts, all of the positive thinking, all of the great things you try, all the awesome experiences you have, all the wonderful times you have in this beautiful place called Australia, they're gonna add up to zero, zero. Just like they have for eons past and just like they will continuing on. But there's a way to overcome that world. There's a way to bust out of it and it's not a simple little decision. It's not a nice little addition. It's not a nice little habit that you can do in your morning routine. Reclaim the morning, right? No. Jesus comes along and he says, you need to be born again. You need to literally enter a whole new reality. And he calls it his kingdom. When you read the scripture, it's really important you understand that we have these three terms that all mean exactly the same thing in the Bible. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, eternity. They all mean exactly the same thing. Kingdom of heaven was because Matthew was Jewish and they didn't like flippantly saying God's name. So he'd call it the kingdom of heaven because he didn't want to be loose with God's name. Kingdom of uh, God, because that's what it is. Eternity, 
because God's reign and rule were revealed all through the Old Testament as being an eternal kingdom. So eternity is like a short word for the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God, where God's ways, God's design for life exist. And what he's saying is, if you keep building your life on the sand, if you keep hoping that cars, houses, popularity, and all that stuff we've already mentioned will satisfy your soul, the first bit of trouble is gonna knock you over. But Jesus says, there's another kingdom, another place you can live where he is this rock on which you will build your life. And that place is called the kingdom of God. But it operates very differently. You've gotta be born again. You're gonna have a completely new set of affections. If you want to bust out of the roundabout of meaninglessness of life, you've got to be transformed. You've got to change your location. You've got to leave the kingdom of this world, the under the sun, and you've got to enter the kingdom of God. What is the good news? The good news is the good news of the kingdom of God. The gospel is the good news that you can now enter the kingdom of God. The good news is that Jesus declared the kingdom of God has arrived. It's here, I'm bringing it and you can now participate. I have made a way, he said, right? But you've got to step right into it. Let's look at that verse again that I've already mentioned. Jesus with the Samaritan, John chapter four. Samaritan woman, sorry. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will spring up like a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Everything changes when the timeline changes. If your life is when you're born to when you die and God doesn't exist, then you cannot escape the darkness. 14 minus 14 equals zero and you can you know, have all the earthly winds you want, but death's coming, you're like an animal, you're going down, right? That's what he's saying. But Jesus comes along and he says, I'm gonna show you that that's not the actual timeline. The actual timeline is eternity. And it's amazing how the perspective on our short life changes when we realize there's an eternity. Jesus never said he's gonna bust you out of trouble. He said in this life, you will have trouble, but life is not just the trouble. Life is eternity. And if you want to experience non-meaninglessness in your life, if you don't want to be bored, boring, and bitter, you've got to enter my kingdom and you're going to have this dramatic change of affections. And the good news that Jesus brought, remember he said it starts now. Uh, my favorite mic drop moment in the whole of the Bible is where Jesus reads the scroll of Isaiah and he says, today this is fulfilled. Boom. That was so good. If I had a time machine, that would be it. Be like, he's about to say it. He's about to say it. None of the people in the room are going to get it. I'm going to get it. <laughs> the kingdom of God has arrived. Boom. It's such an amazing thing to know Jesus. What happens? What happens when we accept Jesus and we put our trust in him is this huge change of affections. Because he's now the Lord, he's the king. And, and this Bible passage is trying to jam into our head. You have to stop thinking that this world is going to deliver what you need. You've got to stop thinking that. 
And Jesus' kingdom's totally different. What does he say are the number one affections or the number one desires or the number one plan of living out under God's reign and rule? He says, every morning you're going to get up and you're not even going to worry about what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear, or where your money's coming from. Because those things aren't relevant in the kingdom of God. It'd be like turning up, I don't know if you've ever been in a foreign country and all you've had is the wrong money. Americans are really funny, they don't travel very much sometimes. If you're an American in the room, I love you, I spent eight years with you and I, I just love you, but sometimes you, get, you need to get out more. I remember I traveled with some Americans and often this would happen, they would say, do you take American dollars in foreign countries? Now, there are some foreign countries that do take American dollars because their economies are so trash that they use American dollars. But they would say, oh, do you take this? And they'd say, no. <laughs> they'd be like, what? What? It's good money. Why not? And it was like, it's, it doesn't work here, bro. You can't use your US dollars here. You've got to use the, you know, the local currency. That's what it's like in the kingdom of God. If you get up and you think you're in the kingdom of God and you're still living like someone with old worldly currency, God, I'm going to do my best today. I'm going to have positive thinking. I'm going to enjoy life. I'm going to have a good point of view on everything. I'm going to get rich. I'm going to get, you know, all the things. God's like, that money don't work here, mate. That money's not going to satisfy your soul. What satisfies your soul is Jesus says, you accept the gift of life. You accept my forgiveness. You accept my identity for you. You come into my family. And from now on, you're going to have two affections. You're going to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it's going to be awesome. You were made for this. Your body's a temple for my presence. That's why I designed you. And you're going to love people. You're going to love people. Not with your rubbish, self-centered love, but with my downloaded matrix style, downloaded into through the Holy Spirit, my eternal, beautiful, gracious love, my heavenly love is going to travel through you toward other people if you're willing to enter the kingdom of God and follow me. And these become the two affections of the Christian. The Christian wants to love God with their heart, soul, mind, and strength because of what he's done for us. Because this isn't it for life. The timeline is eternal. And he has invited us now into that eternal kingdom today to start living out his kingdom life where we love him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we love people with his quality of love. We're on his mission now. We don't care about the old under the sun things. Jim Carrey's worked it out. Surely we can. Those currencies just don't satisfy. If you want to get rich, go talk to a rich person, right? It doesn't satisfy the soul. Only Jesus satisfies the soul. And this is beating us up. My favorite thing in all of the church is to see people find Jesus for real. Really see them find Jesus. Uh, one of our kids pastors back in LA, she's a beautiful, beautiful woman of God. And 
Uh, she, she, had, she had heaps of tats. That doesn't mean anything in America because everyone in LA has got tats all over them. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Terrible decision. Uh, I was always too skinny. I just always said, if I get tats, I'll just look like a meth addict. So that won't work. Um, anyway, so I don't have a big arm and I don't have the time or inclination to do weights. So anyway, the, uh, this woman, she's a beautiful woman and she was so passionate about God. She was so put together. She had a wonderful marriage. She had these wonderful kids. She loved young girls so much. She would have these young girls in her house. She even went and bought a five-bedroom house, uh, prayed. They didn't have much money. Kids pastor in, in America, they own dirt, right? And uh, anyway, so she gets this, this decent-sized house in a really rough neighborhood where no one wants to live. And, and she would just fill this house with these young girls. And I was always blown away. She's just such an awesome person. Uh, she's jiu-jitsu. She's just a cool chick, right? And then one day, I, I was like, hey, tell me your story. I'm leaving her name out on purpose, I'm sorry, because it's always recorded. Anyway, she tells me her story and like the brokenness in her story was unbelievable. The, the, the house that she'd come from was so horrendous, like all the things you're imagining, all of them, unsafe, dangerous, awful place to grow up. And yet, she's this high-functioning human being who's changing the world around her with the kingdom of God. And it's like, what happened to you? She met Jesus for real. And she gave up on the worldly pursuits and put her faith in the designer of life who told her, seek first the kingdom, not all those other things. And by the way, I'll look after them for you. Isn't that amazing? I'll look after what you eat, what you drink, what you wear, where you live. I'll, I'll guide all of that for you. Just ignore that. That ain't going to satisfy your soul. But if you can enter the kingdom, and if you can love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you can love people with my love, you're going to find life. And it's, it's the eternal life, by the way. Death can't even touch it. When Jesus destroyed this world, it says in the scripture that he made a mockery of death. Death is not the end, Jesus says. Watch this. Kaboom. You want to join me in my kingdom where death is a blip? It's already started. Don't be bored, boring, and bitter. Come find Jesus. Get deep satisfaction. Church, if you don't have this level of satisfaction, if you rock up to church because it's the right thing to do, or because your wife made you, or because it's what we've always done, you're not alive. Do you want true life? Come to Jesus. We're going to have a prayer time in a moment. I don't care if you follow Jesus for zero minutes, five minutes, or 50 years. I challenge you, if, if you're stale in your faith, don't work your way back up into a frenzy. Don't try and be passionate. Don't fake it till you make it. Just come and ask Jesus. Humble yourself and say, hey, God, I want to be in your kingdom. I want to be in your kingdom. We're going to have prayers up here. It doesn't matter if... if Half of you or all of you come, we'll just take the time. We'll have people who will pray. If you see someone not being prayed for and, and God says, go pray for him, go pray for him. But let's ask God. We want that real water, don't we? I don't want to drink the water that doesn't satisfy. 
I want the real deal. Let's pray. Oh, sorry, I just want to finish with this verse. You say, and this is Aussies. I'm sure this is written for Aussies. It's actually a place called Laodicea, but it sounds a lot like Australia. I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. But you don't realise you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. 14 minus 14 equals zero, bro. I counsel you to buy gold from me, gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. Come to Jesus. Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'm coming in and I'm going to eat with you and you're going to eat with me. And look at this last part. To the one who's victorious, I'll give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Jesus says, remember when I defeated death and remember when I went back to heaven and I was with God, you're coming with, if you invite me in. Are we ready, church? Let's stand, I wanna pray. Prayer team are gonna be out here. If you wanna have a satisfied Christian walk, if you wanna know Jesus at a deeper level, come out and let someone just pray for you today. Humble yourself and he will lift you up. Let's pray. Lord, we don't want to go through life on a meaningless roundabout with wins and losses and wins and losses. We want to go through life in your eternal kingdom where we are doing things that will make a difference forever. And Lord, we want to find you in such a profound way that we are satisfied in the deepest parts of our soul. We pray that in your precious name. Amen.